0: Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. Good morning, and what a wonderful morning it is. It's the type of morning, despite that it's a bit chilly, well, it's the type of morning that a good garden session might be pleasant now. Gardening is one of humanity's oldest pastimes, whether it be for survival. We enjoy seeing the flowers grow, even if for thousands of years we weren't entirely sure how they did what they did. But we have somebody with us this morning who loves gardening, but who sees all of the potentialities that grow in the garden, that exist in the soil, as perhaps plot elements to be considered for any writer. If I could clarify it for a moment, we have New York Times bestselling author, Marta McDowell, here, and we are here to speak to her not only about gardening, but her new book, Gardening Can Be Murder, How Poisonous Poppies, Sinister Shovels, and Grim Gardens Have Inspired Mystery Writers. Now, this book came out in early September. I've had the pleasure of, of reading bits and pieces of it. It is... as with the word I used with her prior, very whimsical. It's very interesting. It's brilliant. It brings a smile. It brings a laugh. It brings perhaps a shock. Good morning, Marta. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: It is my pleasure, Trent.
0: Well, this might be the only time we disagree. The pleasure is all mine. And it is so brilliant. First, before we get into this wonderful book, which I I recommend to all of our listeners, can we know more about Marta McDowell, please?
1: Absolutely. I am a gardener and a writer, and I teach at the New York Botanical Garden. This is my sixth book with Timber Press, and I particularly like to write about authors and their gardens. So this book has a lot about both.
0: Now, Marta, can we know, as much as you're willing to divulge, of course, what got you into gardening? And what got you into particularly considering gardening in the greater plot lines of written work?
1: Well, it was almost accidental, Trent, one of those little serendipitous things. I was driving across Massachusetts. And happened to have a spare afternoon, so I stopped at the Emily Dickinson Museum and discovered that day, many, many, many years ago, that Emily Dickinson was a gardener. And that opened a door for me that I stepped through and, you know, I I like to say Emily Dickinson changed my life. So she was the first writer that I wrote about her and her garden and uh, have written about many others since. It puts together two of my favorite things, reading and gardening.
0: Now, that is a beautiful innovation to have made on a spare day. And we can thank Emily for helping you to find that. It is always remarkable when we find an author who touches us in such a way as I've previously worded it. It's as though we've met our past selves. It is a magical experience. So, Marta, now that we understand you a bit better, tell us why the garden is such a fertile place for the minds of authors when it comes to writing literature, mystery, or or any other.
1: (laughs) Well, I think for crime fiction writers, they need a lot of details, right? If you think of the classic murder mystery They have to, if you'll pardon the pun, plant clues, right? So you need factual things that are happening. And the garden is rich in, you know, certainly the means for crime. (laughs) If you walk into my garage, which acts as my gardening shed, there are lots of sharp tools. There are various chemicals. And out in the garden, lots of poison plants. So I think that's part of it. Uh, You know, all gardening is something of a mystery, right? Right. uh, You know, how do things grow? Why is this plant not thriving when it did last year? Um, You know, sometimes I'm even out there with a little magnifying glass trying to see if I can track down the pest that's on a particular plant. So (laughs) my own detective work. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's absolutely, it transcends the page of course uh, and, and to your point, we'll, we'll jump off of that for a moment The natural mystery that, um, that existence provided for man uh, offered, uh, offered itself to, to humanity's mind for the creative purposes Right? We don't understand how things work And so it almost frees us to imagine how they might work
1: Absolutely. And we have that, you know, that deep-seated concept of the garden as paradise, right? You know, that sort of Edenic place that we were banished from at one point. And, uh, you know, I think in gardening, we try to make that connection. Uh, And if you are a mystery writer, you might want it as just a little bit of contrast or some irony as well.
0: Absolutely. And and let's take this particular moment as we're discussing this. Marta McDowell here. Let's talk with Tran R. Nelson discussing her new book, Gardening Can Be Murder, How Poisonous Poppies, Sinister Shovels, and Grim Gardens have inspired mystery writers. But let's take a second to really consider and laugh for a moment at how really intertwined humanity is with plants, with the garden. You've used several puns so far, some purposely and some not purposely. We use terms like rooted. Our ideas were rooted in this, right? Or laying the seeds for an idea, right? We, we consider our own lives in very many ways to be growing in the same way that we appraise growth in the garden. And our language certainly reflects this. Now, Marta, what sort of surprises did you come across during the intensive research for such a book as this?
1: Well, you know, there were many things. Uh, one that any of your listeners probably already know, but was something of a shock to me, was I learned that Carolyn Keene, who was the author of the Nancy Drew mystery series that I read so much of as a child, was not a real person in the sense that it's a made-up name, like <laughs> Betty Crocker. <laughs> it was So Nancy Drews have a- actually been written by... A slew of various authors. Early on, there was a woman named Mildred Wirt Benson from Iowa who wrote many, many of them. The the Gardening Nancy Drew was written by a gentleman named Walter Carrick, and there are still authors like Susan Wittig-Albert who write or have written as Carolyn Keene. So it used to be, you know, forbidden by contract for the authors to disclose this to anyone. Right. And now, now that's no longer true, but that was a surprise to me as I went along, you know, I, I also, I love rhubarb, you know, my, uh, my, much of my family lives in Lincoln, Illinois. Okay. And, uh, not so far from Springfield. No. And uh, I, I learned um, that mystery writers have used rhubarb as a murder weapon. Uh, one in particular, uh, a contemporary writer named Naomi Hirahara, uses rhubarb in a book called Strawberry Yellows. And, you know, I have recipes for rhubarb from my various, you know, grandmother, great aunt. Sure. <laughs> from- from Lincoln, uh, and I grow it in my garden myself. So, who knew that was even possible that you could use parts of the plant in concentration and kill somebody with it?
0: Oh, it's, it's a wonderful uh, little fact. And the only reason that this host knows it is because he grew up with farm animals. And, and my father used to always say, don't let the goats near the rhubarb because they'll eat it and then they'll have a problem. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. So, so it's, yeah, you go. it's useful information. And you hear sometimes, uh, I have a useless fact. Uh, the fact, there's no fact that I've ever come across that is useless. Perhaps we haven't come to a situation in which we have found reason to apply it yet, but certainly not a waste. We should always be learning. So, Marta, before we let you go, of course, you are a, a busy individual. What have you found? In your research of fiction and of nonfiction, of course, fiction is often a reflection of our world to varying degrees. What is the perfect horticultural crime?
1: No, <laughs> I don't know if there is such a thing, particularly not these days. You know, they can do so many chemical tests. It used to be, I think, that you know, plant poisons were less detectable because... They didn't have so much in terms of chemical analysis. Right. I was actually lucky in this book. See, it always pays to have a big family, Trent, because one of my cousins, actually, you know, in law, uh, is a, is the toxicologist. He teaches at the University of Illinois at Springfield. And so, Steve Johnson, thank you for helping me with my chapter on poisons. <laughs>
0: We thank Steve Johnson, and the community thanks him as well, because if he hangs out around here and teaches, then uh, he is certainly affecting uh, Springfield and Greater Central Illinois community immensely, uh, as well as yourself, Marta. Now, as you just noted, the technological innovations that we continue to live through um, oftentimes uh, create circumstances where Yes, the same thing that was a uh, a, a surefire poisoning means uh, in at a time gone by is not perhaps useful or as slick as it once was. So, what is the future of the garden as it relates to mystery writers and and uh, and authors trying to use all of the. Wonderful resources that the garden provides for their work.
1: Well, you know, still plenty of sharp tools and beautiful settings. And of course, mystery writers will always need a place to hide the body.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are to hear first, folks, if if the poisons are identifiable, at the very least the garden does offer some dirt and as you said, some sinister shovels, some hedge trimmers, and well all sorts of other whimsical ways in which you can write your very own gardening mystery novel. Marta McDowell, author, gardener, Gardening Can Be Murder, How Poisonous Poppies, Sinister Shovels, and Grim Gardens Have Inspired Mystery Writers. That came out through Timber Press, September 5th of 2023. And we are so thankful to have Marta here with us this morning. Thank you for joining us and teaching us a bit about our own gardens. Thank you, Trent. Happy holidays for everyone moving forward. It's a wonderful time, I always say, and uh, it's wonderful to chat with you. Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. Enjoy the garden, but be careful.